Have you ever heard of the band Filter from the Yeah, 90s? of course. Richard Patrick. Yeah, anyway. I Take a picture. I thought, yeah, Take a Picture is the big song. I thought the song The Beach 2 sounded like something Richard Patrick would have produced back in the 90s. Like, it sounded like, I'm pretty sure I've heard almost that exact song on a Filter album. Did you get Nine Inch Nails vibes as well? Because Filter's a spinoff of Nine Inch Nails. Richard Patrick was in yeah. one of the first iterations the of The touring band. Yeah. Yeah. That's right. Um, I don't think so, because there's not much... Uh, there aren't too many synths mm-hmm. on Blue Weekend, I wouldn't say. Like, it's not really uh, industrial in that sense. I do think, yeah, Filter... Um, I do think I could, I, could, I could see that. I don't know if you know this, but... Um, um, Richard Patrick, I don't know if it's his cousin or his brother, um, is Robert Patrick, who's, like, the actor. He played, uh, I don't know what the, the name is, but, like, the bad guy in Terminator 2. Oh, really? Like, the bad Terminator. Shit, yeah. <laughs> he does look like him. I, I never would have made that connection. That's, f- wow. It's really That funny. guy only ever plays yeah. bad guys in films. Have you ever noticed that? <laughs> yeah, yeah, exactly. <laughs> Well, he's a very stern, like, he looks like a, like a no fun police. dickhead yeah, cop. Yeah, I know. Yeah, yeah. yeah. <laughs> That's exactly what um, the guy looks like. Maybe he's, 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 he's <laughs> a cousin or brother? I don't know. It's either cousin or brother. Interesting. It's either cousin or brother. I, I think it might be brother. Um, but he's in, uh, he's in the second Terminator. Yeah, I know who exactly who he is. to have you join us for another musical concoction that we like to call the play button. We have a loaded show today with a ton of impressive musicians to review. Um, We'll start this very exciting lineup with American singer, songwriter, and author Japanese Breakfast with her new album Jubilee. Then we'll get into the current trending, critically acclaimed album, Blue Weekend by British rock band Wolf Alice. A lot of British bands making waves this year, so let's dissect another. Oh, and uh, and look, one more British band. We'll cap the episode off with Black Midi, probably the weirdest album of the day, a bit of a roller coaster ride of an album. Um, and that'll finish the show off for us. Notice, Kevin, I didn't slide a genre into Black Midi there because, frankly, I don't think there is one. Um, I mean, like, I, I always, I always, um, you know, I, I don't really believe in genres per se, you know, like, they're, they're just more of a guideline to describe music. Um, I would throw them under just the experimental tag. <laughs> it's just, you really have no idea what you're going to get. Um, and it is quite the wild ride, which is why it's called Cavalcade. All right, first up, uh, let's kick it off here with the latest album from uh, Michelle Zahner, also known as Japanese Breakfast. The album's called Jubilee. Um, this is her third album. Um, I was, uh, you know, thinking there's one thing that really annoys me about Japanese Breakfast, the, the name of the band, um, and it's that Michelle Zahner's not Japanese. She's actually Korean, um, so it always confuses me, but she's Korean-American. Um, that, you know, theme of identity and growing up as an Asian-American um, she was actually born in Korea, but grew up uh, in the U.S. Uh, that theme really dominates her music and uh, her writing. She's a best-selling author. Uh, she was on the New York Times uh, bestseller list for her uh, memoir titled Crying in H Mart. 
um, which is a pretty funny name. H Mart is a, a chain of Asian grocery stores. Um, she's had two um, quite well received albums um, her debut, Psychopomp, uh, and then following it up with Soft Sounds from Another Planet, um, which are both really cool album titles. Um, I really like those titles. Um, and both really do focus on uh, um, you know, her coping with the death of her mother. And um, her mother, you know, unfortunately died from cancer and was really sick for a long time. So coming to terms with that. Um, so a lot of dark, heavy themes. But this latest album, Jubilee, if you couldn't guess from the title, is a bit of a, a change of pace. It's much brighter, much more of a cele- celebratory tone. Uh, and personally, I think it's, it's all the better for it. Um, I think it's a great set of songs from top to bottom. Um, and I think it, it really just grabs your attention. You know, for me, when I was listening, the opening track, Paprika, it just immediately grabs you as one of, you know, one of the strongest songs I've heard all year. Um, It's so positive. It's so grand. Um, Absolutely beautiful lyrics. Um, Just talking about, you know, the the awe-inspiring power of, you know, having the privilege to be an artist and a performer and, you know, being able to share um, you know, I think she she talks about uh, um, uh, showing your visions to strangers um, and just like the power of that. So it's a great opening track, but back to front, I loved it. Um, I, I don't know, Peter, what what are your thoughts? I was uh, I was also very impressed by this. I'd have to say Paprika and Be Sweet is probably the grandest one two punch entrance that I've probably heard. Definitely in pop this year. Um, they're very beautiful, very uh, luscious pop songs. Um, but I was also st- I was also struck by her versatility as well, to, to follow that up with much more mellow songs like Kokomo and Slide Tackle, and then the very emotional posing and bondage as well. She can cover all sides of it. Um, I really like how Michelle uh, produces it and, and keeps her voice. She mixes her voice very clearly on the tracks. She wants you to hear it. She knows, she knows how to show off her set of pipes. Um, which sound a lot like Karen O. I don't know if you hear that as well. I, I've used Karen O as a comparison many times, I think, in this podcast already. But this time I know for sure I'm right. Well, she's, she's very influential. So. She, she, she posted on Instagram the other day uh, some interview. Interview Magazine did a thing where they paired up Karen O and her. She did a big thank you and, and, and noted that Karen O is one of oh. her heroes. So the influence nice. is, is... So I'm right on this one. The influence is there. <laughs> yeah, amazing. Yeah, and... I, I was I was a little, you know, not like worried, but I was wondering what you'd think of her vocals. I, I do think they might put off some people because they, they are a bit on the like nasally. They're high they're high side pitched. Of they almost sound she, yeah, she sounds yeah. almost half her age. Um yeah. yeah it's a yeah, young sounding yeah. voice. Yeah, for sure. And and I think that could maybe come off badly, but but still I just think the songs are, are super catchy. And yeah, like slide tackle is a, a clear highlight. Um you know, great instrumentation, the the inclusion of uh, like saxophones on that track, mm. very groovy. Um, and then, uh, you know, towards the back half, I, I think the momentum, you know, keeps going. Uh, the songs in hell, uh, I think that again, kind of relates back to, to you know, her grief of uh, dealing with her sick mother. Um, and then, um, you know, tactics, which is another kind of emotional song about, you know, moving away uh, across the world. Uh, you know, from uh, someone important to you just because you, you know, it's probably better for you. Um, and then again, I was kind of blown away by the closer to posing for cars. 
um really an epic closer that just is kind of a soft acoustic song but it slowly builds and then eventually just builds into an epic like three minute uh guitar solo slash jam to close the album and i think it's just a perfect ending um there's really nothing like i think my least favorite track was probably sit just because it's it's kind of the most boring track there's nothing too special about it but this album's varied i think the lyrics are fantastic um it's a great sound uh yeah i don't know i i i loved it i didn't know that about her mom that's uh that's sad to hear that it's kind of been inherent in a lot of her past work and even here as well but it does it yeah. does sound like she's taking life by the horns a little bit more it, she's like she, yeah. she's a lot she's a lot happier and it, it sounds very vibrant and i think it's a good uh it's a good it's a good sound on her i thought uh i thought uh savage good boy which we didn't mention yet was a funny tongue-in-cheek kind of song i don't know what you thought about mm. that one but i thought it was kind of funny she kind of pokes fun at the old chauvinistic attitude like mad men back in the day i make all the money yeah, yeah. you just stay home and raise the kids but she makes she spins it on its yeah, head a little yeah. bit i thought it seems like she's she's yeah. really I, it's funny like this is my introduction to her so i i saw her as almost humorous right um and to hear her past work yeah. is not like that is interesting yeah, it's much more muted, um, and and personally, I think it's a little harder to get into. Uh, her first album, in particular, is quite like raw. It's very uh, kind of lo-fi, um, but uh, yeah, I'm really really pleased with this, and I, I think it's it's fantastic. And um, you know, this doesn't really relate to the music, but I still give it bonus points. Uh, I love the album art. Oh yeah, great album art. Um, it's. Uh, it's her just kind of posing uh, with a persimmon in front of her eye, um, and all around her are hanging persimmons. And and I read about it, and um, it's actually like a uh, a drying technique for persimmons in Japan to make this like dried persimmon um, like confection, or I think it's like a dessert maybe. Um, but basically, it symbolizes just like you know, you take this thing and then you. Um, you know, let it sit and it just transforms into something completely else. So it has that kind of theme of change and whatever. And it's just a cool album cover. I always give points to that. Um, so yeah, good stuff. Next up, we'll get into uh, the new album by Wolf Alice, a band from London, England, and it's called Blue Weekend. Um, so this is a band that originally formed in the 2010s and throughout their existence, it really seems like they firmly planted their feet in a very standard rock sound. 90s rock is where I would probably sit them. Um, but even within that, it doesn't really seem to confine them. They deviate quite a lot. And on, I think on all of their albums, you get a smorgasbord of a whole bunch of different styles that rock has taken over the years. And I think it's kind of cool. It's almost like a celebration. Um, their first debut album, uh, My Love is Cool, uh, really good. Um, you'll hear the song uh, Moaning Lisa Smile on that one, which... Uh, I've learned to play. I learned to play the opening riff on guitar because I thought the song was <laughs> unreal. I thought it's a very good song, and, and a lot of the material in there covers a lot of ground. You're probably more familiar, Kevin, with "Visions of a Life," which was their sophomore album. I don't know that. I, one I'm actually well. not. No, I'm actually not. I, I I've only actually listened to the first one. Interesting. Yeah, I I, I yeah. Of, all, of all of them, I didn't I didn't really get acquainted with that one, but uh, it was. For the little I did here, again, just a smorgasbord of a whole bunch of things. And I, I, couldn't even, I can't even list them all because I would be going on for too long. But uh, they cover everything from punk to pop ballads. It's pretty impressive. Mm -hmm. Here they do it as well. Um, so it sounds like they'd be retreading the same kind of ground. And yet it actually comes off as 
almost like a coming of age record. Their third try here seems to be, you know, it does the trick. It's the, it third time's the charm. And I'm mind blown by this, this piece of work. I wasn't sure what to make of it at first, the high ratings I was seeing, but um, it is truly a celebration of 90s rock, and it's done with just effortless, flawless style. Um, uh, it really it, it can come off as very nostalgic as well for somebody who enjoys this style of music. Um, it hits all the right buttons. Um, and uh, I mean, as strong as the musicianship is on this um, and the instrumentation, I really think that uh, Ellie uh, Rosell the singer steals the show. Um, this lady knows exactly when everything is needed. She knows exactly when to add a falsetto. She knows when to add in harmonized vocals, um, what mm-hmm. octave to sing in. It's, it's, it's really spectacular. You can bank on her to take the song in whatever direction it needs to go, and the band just follows suit. And I've never, it's been a long time since I've heard a band so dialed in. Um, I, I mean, I could get into the songs. I like you on the last album we just talked about. I I didn't find a bad one here. I'm in shock, actually. <laughs> Maybe uh, which one stood out to you? Um, I I yeah. I mean, I I really enjoyed it. Back to front. Um, and uh, again, you know, it opens very strongly. Uh, the opener, the beach. Um. You know, I, I went into it knowing how, how much critical acclaim it got. Like, I, I think even now it, it stands as the highest reviewed album on Metacritic in like the high 90s, which is not uh, a common occurrence. Mm. Like that is that is an extremely hard um, score to get. So um, but that first track, like that incredible like build up um, and then it just explodes uh, at the end of the track. Um, and it's it's awesome. Like it's a such a. a an awesome buildup, um, a great intro to the album, and then it really never loses steam from there. Um, I think uh, I, I read a comment online saying, uh, uh, you know, the song Lipstick on the Glass, that song is just perfectly um, constructed to be played at a music festival at sunset. And I totally agree. It is just like the perfect song for that kind of mood. Uh, it's an excellent song. I think it's it's yeah, super catchy, super groovy. Um, yeah, there's nothing even even the riskier track. So the the track uh, safe safe from heartbreak um, that has a bit of a more country tinged yep. influence, and I think it's quite different from the rest of the album. Um, and that one I think decently works. It's you know not my favorite, but it's still good enough. Um, Play the greatest hits again, kind of risky because it is a much uh, heavier. Uh, grungier sound still pretty much works like i think it's still a catchy like fun song um yeah so there's not much um smile again kind of risky with that uh vocal delivery in the verses it's kind of like this rap type delivery but i think it works i think she pulls it off um my one thing with that song is the the chorus is awful it is <laughs> just hot garbage like i don't get what the fuck they were thinking it, it's the most like it feels like such a buzzkill i i really hate that chorus <laughs> yeah i hate it it's so crappy like oh um so yeah there are parts where i'm just like what, why um and i do feel like there are times where it's a bit too 90s alternative rock like it's just very on the nose um, I don't think the lyrics are particularly great. I know a lot of people love her lyricism, but I think it's a bit kind of on the nose. It's not, especially compared to somebody like Japanese Breakfast, it's just not as poetic at all. Um, it's it's not as imaginative. Um, so it, 
the lyrics don't do it for much uh the lyrics don't do much for me personally um but i do think there isn't really a bad track here um i think the last two tracks again are also strong no hard feelings is a nice um you know kind of calmer track to bring you into the closer of the beach too which is again another epic just grand uh kind of finale track um and yeah i was very impressed yeah i uh I, i'm not sure i I, all of the all of the songs you mentioned are ones that I was going to highlight as well. The risks they take seem to pay off on pretty much every single one. Um, and even if Ellie's lyrics leave a little bit to be desired, I have I'm powerless against them. I'm singing them constantly. Even the bad chorus to "Smile" that you mentioned, I don't think it's a bad chorus personally, but um, I was impressed. Her vocals are some of the strongest I've seen in a while, and I'm surprised I've never heard of this. Oh band. yeah, and yeah, no, and I love that um, she like you said she knows exactly like when to use certain techniques and and her the way she delivers her vocals changes from song to song yeah. and within songs um just like little kind of accents and little kind of like things that change it up um i, I yeah I, I do think it's really fun to pick up on stuff like that um to be clear though it is a pretty straightforward record it, it's yeah. not there's nothing really experimental um and I can see why some people might detract from that. I was expecting it to be more challenging um, rather than it being very, I think it's a very like crowd pleasing record. Like there's uh, no one out there who's really going to hate this. I, I, I don't think. Uh, and it is very, you know, festival ready. I, I think it would be you know, yeah. super hype it, at a festival. It was described as tent rock. And I firmly, yeah, firmly exactly. believe that. Yeah, no, that's true. Yeah. And, and sometimes that's a bad label. You know, that's a negative label. Like it's very empty. There's not much substance. Um, but I think this toes the line. It, it's a good compromise. Um, so, yeah, nicely done. All right, we've made it. Um, and now it's time to talk about Black Midi. What a band. Um, this band is from London, UK. Um, they are, uh, all very young. Um, Pitchfork has described this band as, um, you know, if you watch them, uh, you come away with one thing. Um, everyone in the band looks like they are approximately 12 years old and their drummer is an absolute beast. Um, and that pretty much sums it up. So this band, uh, went to the Brit School, which is a, a an extremely prestigious art school in the UK. A lot of artists um, have come out there. Um, very well-known artists. I, I'm pretty sure Adele went to this school. Um, it, it really um, is a big deal uh, if you go to the school. And, you know, the four of them met there, and they formed this band. Um, Morgan Simpson is the drummer. He uh, started playing drums at the age of three. And he won a national competition in the UK as a young drummer. I think he was like 14 or 15 years old. Uh, he is the single greatest drummer uh, I've ever seen. Um, I've watched the performances. He is, he is absolutely incredible. I've never seen anything like it. Um, that alone is worth the price of admission. Uh, this band's music is very difficult to describe. This is their second record, Cavalcade, uh, following up their debut, Schlagenheim. Um, it's experimental rock. It takes elements of math rock, so it's very rhythmically experimental. Lots of polyrhythms, very complicated music. Um, this, so the first album really borrowed a lot from punk rock, post-hardcore, and um, 
even even metal a little bit. So it was very heavy. It was very kind of heavy guitars. Yeah. yeah. Um, highly experimental. Some very strange track. There, you know, there was one track where the the vocalist his only line is uh, she moves with a purpose, and he just repeats that for like five <laughs> minutes. Um, and uh, but this album is a a pretty wild left turn. Um, it's much more jazz influenced. It's much more restrained. And I think for a band like this, where they have such impressive technical chops and they play a lot of music that is very technically impressive, it's very uh, amazing and captivating to me to see them really hold back and be restrained. Um, so there are a lot of quieter tracks that are still um, just musically very complex, but not as, as technically complex. Um, so. I would love to hear what you thought of this, Peter, kind of going in blind. <laughs> I mean, I referred to it as a roller coaster ride in the uh, intro to this <laughs> podcast. And that's kind of how it feels because, I mean, just look no further than the first two tracks. John Allen, Marlene Dietrich just it c- couldn't be complete, couldn't be any different from each other. And yet they're side by side in this track list. Um, I, uh, the, the, so what I found impressive with these guys is, um, correct me if I'm wrong, but I mean, they, depending on the song, they could be trading up totally different um, music responsibilities. Like, even, even so far as the vocalists could change on track to track. I think Jordy is on most. Yep. Cameron's on a couple yep. of these, though, right? Yeah, yeah. Slow is definitely uh, a Cameron track, yeah. Um, Jordy obviously stuck out to me a little bit more. He has this... Uh, I, I love the weirdness, actually, just to get to straight to the point. I love I the weirdness on this album. It was really challenging, but again, yeah. just in a very captivating way. I loved what they were doing, and that they can pull off all sides that I was mentioning. Um, Jordy's vocals are strange, but it, they're, they're, they're very, oh, so very alluring. I mean, he sounds like... He, it's, he doesn't even sing. He sounds like he's reciting some cult-like incantation or ritual um and, and this is like the words to some spell that he's casting like i'm gonna turn into i'm yeah. gonna be turned into some like chicken or a cow or something at, at any point in time yeah. yeah um which is just an interesting i've never heard i haven't heard vocalists quite like that on and on, on every single song that he's on he's kind of sounding like this i i really liked yeah. how weird it all gets um I loved um, songs like Slow. I thought the waves of horns and saxophones were really great. It's not often that I bob my head to brass instruments. That doesn't usually happen very often, but on that song it did. And then I particularly thought the star of the show was the song Dethroned. Um, Just excellent interplay between the the bass and then this kind of high-pitched lead guitar that just carries through the whole song and goes on some crazy tangents. Um, when the three minute mark hits, they kind of stop full stop and then just go into this weird arc. I don't even, it's tremendous. Um, yeah. So yeah. I thought, I, I thought it was, I thought it was hilarious fun. Um, not, not every song hit the mark for me. It's a weird experimental album. Like I didn't think the song diamond stuff, um, moved anywhere interesting. I thought it took way too long to materialize. And then when it did, it wasn't satisfying enough is what I would say. Um, and then the only the only other misstep I really saw was uh, unfortunately the closer. It's about a, almost a ten minute behemoth track yeah. ascending forth. Um, not the strongest closer, um, and it just lacked defining moments. It felt like it was retreading ground I'd already heard. But besides those two, I thought it was I thought it was a wild ride and really fun. Yeah, yeah. I, I mean, I, I feel like every track has impressive uh technical so even a song like diamond stuff i I mean i i really enjoy diamond stuff it really reminds me of um early grizzly bear just a kind of experimental folk uh type of sound it it is very slow moving um and it does 
kind of very slowly build up, but I really like the release at the end of that track with very tasteful yet technical drumming. Um, it's just, yeah, what, what's really weird to me is, yeah, the opening track. Um, so, side note, um, I know it's, you read it and it's like John L, but listening to the lyrics, I'm pretty sure the name of the track is John 50. Yeah, I know. Because L is Roman numeral for 50. So, um, not sure. But anyways, um, that track is wild. Absolutely crazy, ridiculous track. And then it's followed up with Marlene Dietrich, which is the most, like, that song is the most experimental to me <laughs> because it is such a left turn. It's like this soft, crooning, jazzy, lounge-type song. It, it sounds like something off of Arctic Monkeys' latest uh, album, Tranquility Basin Hotel. Interesting. Um, or Tranquility Base Hotel and Casino. And uh, it's just this bizarre song about watching a performance of Marlene Dietrich, who's this, like, actress-slash-singer from the 30s. It's like, what the fuck is going on? It's actually bizarre. Um, but yeah, there, I mean, the only songs I didn't really like, I, I agree with you, Ascending Forth didn't really do it for me that much. I, I don't think it's worth, you know, a 10-minute closing track. Um, also, Hogwash and Balderdash. <laughs> um isn't really my favorite uh a lot of people have compared it to primus um this band that they're the ones that did the um the theme song for south park uh which it kind of actually sounds like um but uh there's it's all over the place um you know i i enjoyed the more kind of traditional math rock songs um chondra Malassia patella which is just a condition of like yeah, knee it's just irritation like knee deterioration yeah <laughs> It's like it's like literally like a like a physiotherapy term. It's, like it's just one what, of the why? one of the band members suffering from that right now. I have no idea. Oh, yeah. Um, but uh, that's a more kind of traditional math rock song. Yeah. Um, with just ridiculous drumming. Um, but I just everyone is just uh you know firing on all cylinders. Um, I think Jordy is an incredible guitarist. Uh, super weird vocals, but I just think. Each one of them brings something to the table. I think they're having a lot of fun doing it. Uh, and honestly, this is probably this band. I discovered them this year, and I, I think I've listened to them more than any other band this year. Um, so I'm kind of kind of obsessed at the moment. <laughs> okay, so let's just uh, wrap up. Uh, our albums uh, for this episode. Uh, so the first album that we looked at was the latest from Japanese Breakfast, the new album Jubilee. Um, I mean, it sounded like we both really liked this one. There's really not a weak track for me. Um, Paprika is probably the strongest opening track uh, I've heard this year. Great vocals, just beautiful poetic lyrics, um, a great new sound. Um, kind of a uh, more 80s inspired, which sounds like it might be overdone, but I think uh, Michelle's songwriting is strong enough that it brings something new to the table. Um, and there's enough, you know, kind of experimentation with instrumentation. Um, yeah, back to front. Absolutely love it. Definitely a play. Um, there's just, yeah, no question. Yeah, I'm with you there. I, I was I was pretty impressed by this piece of work here. It's it's very, very well produced. It sounds pristine and she sounds pristine in her vocals, too. I was uh, I was impressed at my introduction to Japanese breakfast here. So it's a play. 
Uh, next up, we got into Wolf Alice's new album, their third album uh, of their career, Blue Weekend. Uh, and like I said, I mean, this, uh, we'll see if it stands the test of time this year, but um, I walked away from this one feeling like it was a little bit of a masterpiece. I, you know, it's, it's weird when you see the big scores. I thought we were going to have another St. Vincent incident here where we would have to be like, <laughs> sorry, world. Like, I don't get it. Um, and you're right on paper. There's nothing special about what they're doing here, but they do it so well that it's just, it's quite stunning to behold uh, the music on this album and all the different sides that they cover. I love variety in my music. I, I really don't like hearing the same song over and over again. Um, it bugs me. And these guys are, they perfectly suited for people like me. Um, they play so many different styles, so it's a play. Nice. Um, yeah, for me, I, you know, was a little bit wary. Yeah, seeing those high scores. Uh, I don't think it deserves that those high scores. Like, it's not to me. It's not a masterpiece, and and I don't think it's you know, um, I don't think it's it's super noteworthy per se. Like, I don't think it's really doing anything new um, or groundbreaking. Um, I think the lyrics are kind of weak um, on certain songs. Um, I, we didn't really talk about it, but the song "Delicious Things" it's a great song. I don't really think the lyrics are that good. You know, talking about being in Hollywood, being mesmerized by, like, this glamorous, you know, uh, rock star life. Eh, eh, kind of boring. Um, and, you know, it does borrow from, you know, 90s alternative rock, uh, even British alternative rock in the 90s, um, which, you know, it might be overdone in some places, but it doesn't really matter. The songs are still great. It's still a great album to listen to. Uh, the Beach is an incredible opener. The Beach 2 is an incredible closer. Um, great songs in between, you know, they take some risks that pay off well enough in the end. There isn't anything that I really dislike other than the chorus of Smile. Still, I'm gonna stick with that. I really hate that. Um, but yeah, overall, certainly a play, um, and definitely worth checking out. And then the last album we looked at was the second record from, uh, UK experimental band Black Midi. Uh, the album's called Cavalcade. Um, you know, this band is really... You know, I, I totally understand they're not for everyone, um, but I listen to music to kind of activate my mind. I, I really like music that that makes me think. It I love the feeling of just like, I have no idea what the fuck's going on because it, it feels like a puzzle that I need to solve. Uh, I, I love solving puzzles, um, and that's really kind of what this is. Um, but on top of it, they're incredible musicians. Um, they're really carrying this prog experimental math type of torch uh from a band like the mars volta which i you know i've always had a soft spot for but where the mars volta is kind of like over the top pretentious this band's just silly and having fun and you can tell that they're young and they're they're into like memes uh <laughs> sorry i i do have to say one thing i i did see a comment on youtube saying that um jordy greep is his name which is a ridiculous name uh jordy greep looks like um he looks like a medieval nobleman who you took out of medieval times and brought him to current times and showed him swag culture. <laughs> <laughs> he certainly sounds that way, too. Uh, yep. Um, but yeah, in any case, incredible musicianship. I'm going to keep listening to this all year for sure. Uh, it's going to probably be, um, you know, all three of these albums might be on my year end list. They're all that good. But this one, excellent stuff. Uh, love this band. Definitely to see them live. Definitely a play. Yeah, I'm I'm with you there. I 
I, I, I'm like you, I, I like to be challenged and I like to have fun and just learn and, and be kind of shown something new in music. And um, this band st- is, is doing that for me as well. I think that's really fun. And, and they're doing it in a way that's not um, invasive or too, too experimental. It's frustrating that those two songs I talked about, Diamond Stuff and Ascending Forth, are, are missteps in my opinion, to me anyways. Because that's a lot of runtime. Those two songs together are like 15 minutes of the track list, and uh, that's a lot. Um, but you know what? Like the musicianship here is just undeniably so impressive. I, these guys crush their instruments. They're amazing. Oh my god! I, it's undeniable, and um, I, I I can't walk away without giving it a play as well. Like I, despite those two songs, I think it's I think it's a very fun record that I'm also going to be revisiting a lot this year too. I don't know. The, all three of these are at, in play as well for me. I don't know where they're going to stack up. All right, moving on. Uh, let's just catch up with some of the latest updates in uh, music news. Um, I don't know, Peter. Anything, anything new and exciting? Sure. Yeah, I can rattle off some songs. I I post them as I listen to them. But uh, I really, I was surprised by Vince Staples' new song, "Law of Averages." He's got a self-titled album coming out July 9th. Um, I was expecting something really aggressive, but he's already made so much music like that. This was actually a much more reflective piece. Um, that uh, has like a heavenly sounding, I think it sounds like Bonnie Vare sample looping throughout. Um, it was produced by Kenny Beats as well. I think they did a great job here. It's very vintage Vince flow, softer than I was expecting. And now I, I'm, I'm pretty excited for his album. Um, and then Isaiah Rashad came out with his second new song of the year called Headshots for the Locals. And um, this one... Um, this one, I, I don't know if I liked it as much as Lay Witcha, um, that he came out with just earlier in the year. Um, but it's this pretty typical laid back, jazzy, hazy kind of lounge music. So, I mean, if you liked Isaiah Rashad, this is more than going to satisfy you for now. I think he's supposed to drop a new album. They said sometime in June, but he's kind of running out of time. Um, and I think it's going to be called The House is Burning. But you know what? I've seen, I've seen people change their mind at the last second and, and titles change. So I have no idea what will happen here. Um, I don't know. Other than that, though, I've been, I believe it or not, I've been revisiting, uh, an old album, uh, Frank Ocean's masterpiece Blonde, uh, from 2016. Mm. That's that, that album is a very special album to me. So I just, uh, I've been, I've been listening to it just off and on and mixed in with things. Did you ever listen to it, Kev? I think it's like one of the most beautiful albums I've heard. I, I have, I have listened to it. Yeah, I have. Um, I, I think I need to give it more time like I, I need to give it more uh effort i, I like, also i, I, I also really... felt that way I, I actually hated the album at first i thought it was disappointing way back mm-hmm. when and then it took it took like a dozen listens for it to finally start seeping through right 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 yeah it sounds like something that i would like though i'm pretty sure um and i, I feel like i just haven't listened to frank ocean enough uh just period um so i i need to do that like he's one of those uh artists that is just on my radar that i just haven't really um picked up on uh you know per se um have you been listening to yeah like the other thing sorry what have been listening to um yeah i don't know not uh not too much uh i um looked into this band called black country new road um so we reviewed um that new album by squid uh a couple weeks ago when it was it was quite good and um looking at comments and reception of that album people always mentioned two other um british quote-unquote post-punk bands and and people consider these three bands as part of the same kind of scene so one of them squid 
The other is Black Midi. That's how I heard of them. Um, and then the third is this band Black Country New Road. Uh, they released an album this year. I didn't even really hear about it. Um, it's very strange. Um, so I would rank like Squid is probably the the most normal out of these three <laughs> bands, even though Squid is like pretty weird. Um, Black Midi is still probably the, the weirdest of the three. Um, so this band's kind of in the middle. They have a very strange mix of instrumentation. Um, it's very... It has a lot of horns. Um, it's very kind of jazzy. The, the song structures are very experimental. Like the, um, the vocals are already are also very experimental. It, it's um, definitely a, a lot of the tracks have more of like a spoken word type of tone. Um, but it's only six tracks and it's 40 minutes. So there's, you know, a couple long songs. Um, it's very strange. I haven't really like gotten into it fully, but uh, what's detracting you, know, maybe... you? What do you think is the hardest part um, to get in? It just isn't really captivating me. Like all the songs are super long, um, and I don't feel like they're really going anywhere. Um, so that's that's been the hardest part. Um, and, and I don't really like the vocals too much. Uh, they're a bit kind of over the top. They feel a bit over. They feel a bit. Um, they feel a bit emo influenced, um, which, yeah, I, I'm kind of like interesting eh, mix on on like emo. Like I'm just like, meh, it's like fine, but <laughs> it's not really like my my favorite. Um, so you know, it's definitely something I'll give more time to. But uh, yeah, we'll see. Um, and one other thing I wanted to to touch on, I I did um, post a story about this, but. Um, the new spatial audio feature in Apple Music. I don't know if you've given it a try. Um, it uh, it works on any any headphones, um, so you don't need like AirPods or anything. Um, but it basically just kind of simulates a three dimensional mix of hmm. the music. Interesting. Um, so instead of instruments sounding like they are just coming at your ears left and right, you can actually feel like there are sounds coming from in front of you. Um, so it's a very odd feeling. The instruments feel more separated. Um, but so far, it's only it's limited to a handful of tracks, most of which are just like major label, like, uh, you know, popular music. Um, and some, I don't think they're really mixed for it. So it kind of sounds just weird. Um, but it's an interesting like thing. I'm, I'm like really curious to see where it goes in the future. Um, if artists really focus on producing and mixing their their albums for uh this new format um but for the moment it's just something something kind of fun to play with all right that wraps it up for this episode um thanks again for listening uh we'll be back in a little bit with some more reviews um follow us on instagram at play button podcast uh check out our apple music and spotify playlists uh, we post all our recommended tracks from our albums Um, and thanks for listening. Bye.